Welcome to the Yana podcast, a mental health podcast where we're going to talk about life, hear stories of strength, and get all in our feelings so we can remind you that you are not alone. Our hosts are me, Carly, and Becca. Both of us are super passionate about mental health, advocacy, education, and shattering that stigma. We love creating opportunities for young people to share their stories and experiences about navigating mental health and life in general. The content of this podcast may contain mature subject matter, such as discussions about suicide, self-harm, drug and alcohol abuse, sexual or physical violence, as well as the use of strong language. Listener discretion advised. Before we left off last week, we had been talking to Lindsay Meehan Mayo, a Philly native and an open book when it comes to mental health and mental health advocacy. Lindsay brings lived experience to the table as she's had her own battles and she's seen loved ones fight too. Lindsay has struggled with various mental health challenges, including OCD, anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder. But with those battles, Lindsay found hope and chose a path of recovery. She recently celebrated her five-year anniversary in ED recovery. Until 2020, Lindsay was a pastry chef in Philadelphia. When the pandemic hit, bringing the restaurant industry to a halt, Lindsay took the opportunity to leap into a new career path. She had been contemplating this for a long time. With volunteer hours in the eating disorder recovery world, stability in her own mental health journey, and a lot of passion, Lindsay was welcomed into the mental health field with open arms. Fast forward through some interviews in class and training, she is now lead certified peer support specialist on the peer support warm line with Access Service Montgomery County. In this role, Lindsay strives to give back to a community who experiences things that aren't always talked about or supported by others, a vulnerable community. She strives to build mutually empowered relationships with communities that want a helping hand with their mental health. Though daunting, changing careers in her 30s has proven to be incredibly fulfilling to Lindsay's life as a whole. Outside of her CPS role, Lindsay finds joy at home with her spouse and their two bunnies and with her family and friends. Lindsay shares her creativity through painting and online community, and she finds peace and happiness in outdoor adventures. We will pick up right where we left off last week. Okay, we're back. We are back and better than ever. Yes. When we left off, Lindsay was about to start telling us about what happened when she went to college. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I know, right? I feel like you have to insert that somewhere. <laughs> All right. I, I gotta say college was nothing, nothing special. It was, okay. I, in my experience, I've had a regular college experience. Um, I don't recall like mental health challenges being much of my experience. So that's a thumbs up. Um, I feel like it was regular stuff, a lot of homesickness, like Mm -hmm. a lot of like, you know, missing friends and family and like regular sadness. Um, Mm -hmm. But like more of like the meat and potatoes of my story (laughs) come like in my twenties. Okay. Yeah. Um, and 
um, as like I, we talked about earlier, I was, um, previously a pastry chef and, um, after college, I moved away from home and I like built my career in Washington, DC. And, um, I didn't have like a ton of connections down there, except like my work people. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I initially down there. Yeah. Initially, um, my boyfriend at the time, him and I, uh, after we graduated, we wanted to move somewhere together and I wanted to leave Philly. Um, and like Washington DC was like a good, like middle ground. Like I could still come home, you know, like, yeah, I went to college in DC. It was easily navigatable, navigatable. You could do it. I got you. I got you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, loved my time in DC, but it was always, for me, it was always, um, in my mind, it was temporary. I always wanted to come back to Philly. So, um, that boyfriend and I like wrapped up pretty quickly and (laughs) another boyfriend and I wrapped up kind of quickly. And then like, I decided to come back. Um, and when, so right before I moved back, like I had been, I was an exec pastry chef at two bakeries and I was opening a new bakery with that restaurant group. So it was a lot of stress, a lot of like schedules being flipped, like a lot of work. Yeah. That industry Um, is no joke. No No. joke. And pastry chef is early, early, early. Yeah. And for the first time in my career, I was doing overnight shifts. So like, but overnight shifts that were going from like 11 AM or 11 PM at night to like 1 PM the next day, it was yeah a lot. Um, right. So I wasn't like taking care of myself in other ways besides my career. Um, and my, like my body started to change. I was exhausted. Um, I was always tired. Uh, I I wasn't even like making awesome money either. So like finances were always a thing that I'm very conscious of. Um, Yeah. And I, so I like my body changed and then I moved home to Philly and I was like, I want my career to, I'm going to toot my own horn. My career was impressive when I was in DC, but I, (laughs) (laughs) when I moved back here, I didn't have, I didn't have that here. I didn't have a name for myself yet. And like, we know like the restaurant and the industry, like the restaurant industry in Philly is very competitive and it's very big. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like, you know, I wanted to like acquire that and earn that and like make a name for myself. Um, and I certainly worked, you know, I worked towards that and then like, I wanted to feel better about myself. So I started to diet. Um, and then the diet thing spiraled. It wasn't happening. You know, it wasn't happening. The weight loss wasn't happening fast enough for me. Um, is it, I, I just want to check in. Is it okay to talk about my behaviors? Yes, please. Yeah. We Um, give a trigger warning at the beginning. Okay. Um, So yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So the, I started restricting, I started like pulling 
these little points from like various diets and like making up my own shit, like, and just (laughs) restricting this because that diet said it. And then restricting that because that diet said it. Even though like they're saying restrict this, but don't restrict this. Right. I was like, but restrict that actually. Right. I'm just doing everything. Okay. And I'm, I'm counting, I'm weighing food. Um, things where I'm like obsessively working out and excessively. And then, um, secretly I was abusing laxatives as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, then the difference started to happen in my body. Uh, and then, you know, people not knowing how awful it actually is. You get praised. I got praised for it. And, you know, I felt, I felt like I was getting acknowledged for Mm -hmm. something. I felt like I was, I had, I was like, so strong willed, like, uh, people were commenting on my food. People were commenting on the way I looked and like my ability to like, wake up at four 30 in the morning and work out before my 10 hour shift, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, of course. Um, it just, you know, some people actually do that, like do the workout stuff, like, because they do enjoy it. But like my intentions were not, they were not good, you know? And and we, as a society love to praise people for being skinny and like, Oh, you lost so much weight. You look good. You know? And like, it's like such a thing to feel proud of. I know I'm helping to raise my niece a little bit and, um, not a little bit. I am. And I, um, and what we're working on is trying to not be like, Oh my God, it looks so fat or I feel so fat or like, you know, or like, Ooh, that makes you look really skinny. Like try not to say things like that to like, Mm -hmm. you know, not have that, that those like be associated with like be good or feeling good with your right. And like with you too, Lindsay, like you shared earlier in the previous section of your podcast, that you were an overachiever. You struggled a lot with abandonment and feelings right. of like self-worth and am I good enough? And is this mm-hmm. enough? So mm-hmm. like when you're getting these like praises from people, mm-hmm. it's fueling your overachiever self. Right. And you're like, oh yeah, like, yes. I'm doing good. Like people are noticing, like, let me keep going. Let me keep going and doing better and more. And like, I I relate to that really heavily too. Cause that, that is what motivated, I mean, negatively motivated, unfortunately, my disordered eating as well. Mm -hmm. That like desire for like belonging and that like desire for attention or some type of validation or some weird shit. I don't know. Yeah. 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 (laughs) that like that praise really mm. fueled my fire seriously in a bad yeah. way <laughs> right yeah. right i i i got you becca seriously or carly i'm sorry we're um, one of the same person <laughs> really <laughs> um yeah it definitely fueled my fire and i was like getting recognized and acknowledged and then uh, like at some point it shifted to to become like a competitive thing with myself. And it became like more so about always like one-upping myself from last month Um, or like making up for, okay, I had a good time on Saturday night. Like I 
ate foods that I wouldn't have, or I drank foods that I, or drank drinks that I typically wouldn't. So like now I need to make up for it this week. Um, so it's like a bad cycle and, um, and again, like the, the, um, obsessive thoughts and the like guilt and shame that come with everything around like food and just like every move I made, like every step of my day, I was thinking about, uh, you know, am I going to need to eat something like that? I didn't plan. Um, how am I going to make up for this? Mm-hmm. And that was, that was tough. Like in the, in the restaurant, cause I had to, you know, I had to taste everything. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes. That is hard. And it literally consumes your every thought process, like every single aspect of your day, you are navigating your relationship with food. Yeah. And get that really hard. Yeah. And I also like, I avoided downtime too. I worked, I worked two jobs. Um, and I like found, you know, I, like I said, I was going to work out or I was walking a lot. Like I worked in old city at the time and, um, and in Fairmount and I lived in West, West Philly. So bing, bing, bing. Yeah. And sometimes I would walk that like, or ride my bike. I'm like, now I'm like, put me on the train, call me an Uber. Call <laughs> me an Uber, please. Yeah, you know, I, I go like three blocks and I'm like, Uber, please. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so again, that overachieverness. And then I would tell people, oh yeah, like I went to the gym and then I walked to work. Like, oh, come right. on. Like, why right. did I think that was cool? Like, because <laughs> you wanted to hear that, like, oh, wow, Lindsay, like you yeah. are like amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I but- get that. I couldn't like, just tell that to myself, like in other ways, you know? Yeah. Right. Like that was the way that you valued yourself or found value in who you were. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm guessing soon enough, what you thought you had control over kind of started to take over. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Took over. Um, I was, I was terribly unhealthy. I lost my period. Um, Mm -hmm. I, can we just go in there that that is something that happens, right? That's like a very common thing that happens when you're. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Because you're, I wasn't like feeding my self nutrients that like my body actually needed. And when I did, like I was abusing laxatives, so I wasn't holding on to much. Um, and then it got again, unmanageable and too much, like too much for my brain. I was like, so upset, so anxious, uh, not living life. Like I was afraid to like go out and enjoy things with other people. Um, so I, I, I got help. And this time I went to my employer's EAP program (laughs) and I saw a therapist there that that's great. That's great to hear too. Like the restaurant industry, I know. Yeah. Um, it's hard to get help. Yeah. So good. Um, so that, that therapist told me 
she was, she told me that my life depended on it, Mm. like depended on getting help. Um, I wasn't ever officially diagnosed by her, but she knew it was consuming me enough. And once my sessions with her were done, I got myself a therapist and I've been in therapy like ever since. Yeah. So you did this without going like having to do like an inpatient. Correct. Yeah. Great. So, um, I had kept, I kept the laxative thing a secret, even when I, um, like started therapy and I was still using them. Mm -hmm. Um, but like gradually, you know, as therapy goes, I gradually opened up a little bit more, a little bit more. And, um, the anniversary that I celebrate is the, the last, the, the first day I did not take them. Yeah. So, so even though I had like started therapy and recovery, like that's my marker for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. But mine is alcohol. Like I would into the, I actually was inpatient, but I went into the hospital on Mm -hmm. third, but I had a drink because I went from one hospital to another and had a drink between. And I, so it's when I went to the second hospital, it's my anniversary. Cause yeah. even though I was already on the path to wellness, I still, right. I had a drink. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. And I think that's really interesting, right? Like kind of your progression of sharing your story with your therapist and mm-hmm. your progression of your recovery that like, I think, I mean, maybe you through therapy, you were starting to feel better with inside of yourself. And you were able to say like, okay, like you were able to notice things that you weren't able to notice before and process things you weren't able to process before. And then you were probably like, okay, I want to be free of all of this now. I also wonder if like, I don't know, like for, we talk about this a lot in like, um, you know, substance abuse, uh, or substance use treatment that like, um, you were making reservations, like you were holding reservations. Like I, um, or like, you know, it was like, you were half committed that like, you thought that if you could get, um, like for, for me, like, I thought if I get my like mental health taken care of, I can still drink, you know, or like Mm -hmm. the, the reason why the, like the drinking wasn't working was because I needed to have therapy and like work out like the other stuff, you know, but like, then I could still do that behavior that actually really made me sick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that was kind of similar? Like, yeah, no, totally. And when I, when I look back on like different, so like, maybe you guys can see this in yourselves too. Like when I look back on like my recovery journey, there's like certainly different chapters. Mm -hmm. And I remember like being in this one section of recovery. And like back then I thought, oh my gosh, I'm like so far along in recovery. But then I got like, I, at one point I started going to a nutritionist and then I learned all of these other things and then realized, no, I'm not that far along. Like I'm still restricting. I'm still like, I haven't like unlearned everything yet. So Yes. There's uh, yeah. there were reservations. We call that in <laughs> AA, we call that um a head full of AA and a belly full of booze. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's like not the same, you know, like it's yeah. what it was, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's still really and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, like mm-hmm. that journey with their with their recovery and in their therapeutic relationships. And yeah. Stuff. 
I'm sure it's very similar. So what happens like, okay, now you, you know, you start your recovery, you're, you're no longer abusing your body and doing things, you know, like you were before, what, what does life look like moving forward now? Um, well, it was hard. It's very hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to um, learn. Yeah. Um, I became like more aware of diet culture Mm -hmm. and like understanding that that is a thing, like the, the culture that we're like, that we grow up in is very much geared towards like physical norms and beauty and image. And, um, I, I also struggled with body dysmorphia, which I think a lot of folks, I think that's like not uncommon when, when you're struggling with like restriction and that once in, once I started recovery, that started to dissipate, but it was hard to like, trust. It was hard to trust myself. Like, okay, well, is this real yet or not? Like what I'm seeing correct or no, like what does everyone else see? Mm -hmm. Um, that's really interesting. Right. The mm-hmm. like, I, like, I always would wonder that too. Like do people that are looking at me notice that I'm doing better. Do they know right. that I'm in a good, a good space, whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. like what, do, what does the outside look like? Yeah. I, yeah. That was something that like really consumed my thought process a lot of times when I was yeah. like really in recovery, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's still a lot of like obsessing or wondering what everyone else thinks rather than what I'm thinking. Um, but, but like as recovery went along and I started to like learn when I went to the nutritionist, like I learned like why I need these foods and like my fear foods, like you became like some of my homework. I had to eat it, you know, or, or see if I could. And, um, I really learned like the science behind like why carbs are good for energy, like, you know, why you need fat in your diet or mm-hmm. me, you know, and, um, that helped me along because I'm like, all right, this is facts. Like this is science. Right. And I, I gotta give it to my body. You know, you believe in mm-hmm. science. That's I do. Cool. I do. I'm an advocate <laughs> for science. <laughs> Sorry. We steer away from politics. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, Brian. yeah. So, um, so once like recovery was well on it, its way, it was certainly, uh, I felt like, Oh, like, a a weight lifted off my shoulders. I felt less pressure. Um, I found like happiness in, in some of the things that I was scared to do and like some of the foods that I was eating now I'm like, Oh, I don't want that anymore. I ate too many <laughs> rice cakes. Like I <laughs> ate too many apples. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh, rice cakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. See, but I, I eat rice cakes sometimes in the middle of the night. I'll go and I'll eat a whole sleeve of them though. So, <laughs> well, I don't know. Anyway, I've been there, been there. My diet. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about my diet. I had a pint of ice cream for dinner last night. So. Hey, that's, you know, that's what you want. That's what you need. That's, that's what, what I, I learned to honor, like to I honor what my body once honor what my body's telling me and to respect it and, um, be mindful with my movement. And Mm. yeah, 
I love that. And I think that that is like such a, a special part about um, disordered eating recovery that I found really different um, for me, like in my various experiences of my mental health journey, mm-hmm. my treatment, if you will, for my eating disorder was so, so healing for me um, because of the connection to my body. Yeah. Like there's so much body awareness work that you do within like disordered yeah. eating recovery mm-hmm. that like, I, like I grew up in the arts and as a dancer and mm-hmm. like, it was something that really connected me back to myself. Yeah. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. What you said, like just being more aware of your body and honoring your movement and just mm-hmm. allowing that to be part of your self-care. Yeah. And just being, yeah, being like grateful for what my body can do. So yeah. like trusting it, letting yeah. it trust me. Cause it is yeah. a two-way street Yeah, with, yeah. Like body versus self, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. You said so many like big, big things on the podcast today. And I think you really are going to, a lot of people are going to resonate with your story and your experiences. So, yeah, I just want to hear before we wrap up though, I want yeah. to, um, I just want to hear real fast about how you got to do like what you're doing right now and yeah, what are you doing, right now? doing the mental health. Yeah. Um, so along my recovery journey, I felt, I got to a place where I felt comfortable. Um, and I was like ready to give back because, you know, I was in such a rough spot various times of my life. And, um, so I started volunteering, uh, for, um, I volunteer as a mentor for rock recovery group. They're based out of DC, but I do virtual mentorships with folks who are in recovery. And also I started volunteering on the Nita chat line. Mm. Yeah. And then, um, so that was kind of like a stepping stone for me. Cause I had been contemplating like making a shift. So I was like, let me try volunteer stuff to see if I like could do this, like, you know, as a career, yeah. uh, pandemic hit, I got laid off. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was, I was out of work for a year and I was like, all right, now's the time, if any, to yeah. like if I'm serious about this, like this is it. So yeah, my, um, volunteer like experience got my foot in the door with access services and, um, they hired me for their warm line and CPS classes were kind of on hold, but like, but over the summer they kicked back in and I got accepted into the program and I, uh, passed my test, passed the board and now I'm a CPS and now I'm lead lead CPS on the warm line. Yeah. Wow. And CPS is certified peer specialist, right? Yes. 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 Wow. So So, staff turned CPS. (laughs) Right. I think that's so interesting because I got to just say that like, you know, there's so many people that are like um, haters on all the, you know, how like people didn't want to go back to work at restaurants and stuff. And it's like, well, you know, it was a good time to reevaluate. And I absolutely, it's not that you're like, just not wanting to work. Is that? Oh yeah. No, getting into politics again. Um, but (laughs) it's just (laughs) your field. They changed your field. It was a good time. I think that we all able to like, look into what, who we are and what we're doing and you know, how we want to do differently. And also like, it was, I mean, evaluating our mental health and the mental health of the world, like became really paramount, you know? Mm -hmm. So, 
I think that it's really beautiful that you were able to turn. I mean, I just think anybody that, and uh, I hope this doesn't sound like self-centered or anything, but like, I just think it's really powerful for anybody who, you know, has gone through, you know, their own journeys to be able to like, you know, to want to give back and to want to be able to like, say that this is something that you could have benefited from and yeah. you want to be able to do the same for others. And I think that's really beautiful. Um, and we'll definitely put the information in the yeah. our episode notes for how people can access access. Yeah. And I would <laughs> so love cute. to include the, um, the Nita helpline in the show notes too. Cause I Absolutely. think, oh, great. yeah. If so, if you could let us have that, that would be really helpful. Yeah. Um, And that's really cool. So anyone who's living with disordered eating symptoms or are struggling with disordered eating, there's a specific line um, through the National Eating Disorders Association that you can call. That is like a warm line, helpline, resource line situation. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, It's really cool. I've used it myself. So that's great. Yay. Well, where um, can we find you on the interwebs? On the interwebs, you can find me on, um, um, I'm most present on Instagram. Uh, my personal page is Lammy2711. That's L-A-M-M-Y 2711. And um, my art page and my small business page is Honey Hat Comp. So you can see some of my art and my projects there. Yeah. Wow. And we'll put those in the show notes as well. Okay. So people can find them. Yeah. Yes. And then share our socials and then I'll ask the infamous question. Okay. Well, you can find us on Instagram at the underscore Yana podcast. And we also have a website, which we will put in the show notes, but I'll just say it for right now, but it's going to be changing. Um, but it's the Yana podcast with NAMI Philadelphia or NAMI Philly dot wordpress dot gam we're changing it soon yeah we are we're we're looking into the different deals for domain names yes we are awesome well those are our socials and as you guys know if you're a longtime listener of the yana podcast we always ask our guests a closing question um and the question is is if you could tell your younger self one thing what would you have told them um Um, I, so I would tell her that, um, being sensitive is actually your superpower. Hmm. I I used to be very self-conscious of always being so sensitive and emotional. Um, but as I grew older, I learned that that is a big trait, positive trait. That is. And I think that that is such a beautiful thing that you said, because society teaches us the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that you are so right that, that, that sensitive piece of your heart is oftentimes like what connects you to people, what helps Mm -hmm. you to show empathy and compassion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I love that. I think it was something that came in handy during the pandemic also like being able to be in tune with what you're feeling and, you know, dealing with and, Uh, what others are, you know, I mean, we had to be so cognizant of what, uh, of of others, you know, and um, others fears, like being respectful of like how other people were handling things. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's a really powerful way of putting it that it's your superpower, because I do believe that, that, that um, 
I also believe that my anxiety helped me get through the pandemic because I already had that. So I was like prepared to to manage, you know, and like also prepared to manage a little bit of uh, germophobia. So, Mm. yeah, (laughs) you know, but um, yeah. So anyway, that's beautiful. I love that. And um, you're beautiful. (laughs) And I'm happy that we had you come and be on the episode. And um, I look forward to um, hearing what our listeners think. And also um, to all of you out there, if you are interested in being a guest on the Yana podcast, you can DM us on Instagram. Um, And yeah, we are looking for, we're always looking for new people to share their stories and, um, you know, have conversations with us. Yeah. We want to hear all of your stories because all of them are important and valuable and matter and can change lives. Even if you think like, oh, my story is, you know, whatever we want to hear it. We want you to come on and just really, you know, share with other people. So every time somebody says that to me, I'm always Mm -hmm. like, your story is actually incredibly powerful. So stop that. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And again, it's the underscore Yana podcast um on instagram so dm us shoot us a little message and uh, we'll get you scheduled yeah new every new episodes every tuesday every tuesday yeah and that's it that's all we've got folks have a great rest of your day thank you so much guys for having me thank you all right peace and love If you or someone you know is in crisis, call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. Or you can text NAMI to the crisis text line at 741-741. Or go to NAMI.org for more information. Remember, you are not alone.